You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show For fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The opening week of the NFL is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, so use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% at MackWeldon.com. Crossover Wednesday today, Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears is on the show to talk about this marquee matchup week one. The NFL's 100th season kicks off in a matter of hours, depending on when you're listening to this. And we're, you know, we're we're just getting some of these final injury updates. And the biggest news for the Packers is on the injury front. Jay Sternberger, the third round pick who was slated to play some role as a tight end this season. And, and we're, it's unclear how big a role he would have played. Uh, they really liked his speed down the seam. They liked his ability to make plays in the passing game. He is still, I think, the heir apparent at tight end, the long-term solution, he and, and Robert Tanyan. Now, with him going on IR... The Packers bring in Alan Lazard back to the 53, and this sets up an interesting discussion about how they handled Equinemius St. Brown, because with Sternberger going on IR, now they're short a tight end. They bring in the receiver. Well, they sent EQ to IR before the season, meaning he could not come back at all. So now Lazard is on the team. When in eight weeks, at the very least, they could have had Lazard. And if they send Jay Sternberger down to IR, they could have brought up a tight end. They didn't do that. So in essence, they're fine making that sort of trade. Now, when they sent EQ to IR, they didn't necessarily know Sternberger was going to have to go there. But there isn't that much time. Not that many days has passed between when the Packers made this move. I mean, it's a matter of two, three days that Green Bay decided Sternberger was going to be out long enough that they needed that roster spot in the short term. I mean, he went down awkwardly in week four of the preseason. That was less than a week ago. Roster cuts happened on Saturday. And they made the decision on EQ over the weekend. And so then on Tuesday to have this news break that Sternberger is going to be out That's a startling decision for the Packers to make because you would have thought when they made those decisions over the weekend, they knew the severity of this Sternberger injury and they could have planned accordingly. I would think that they would have wanted to add a tight end at some point. Now, they really like Big Bob Tanyan and and for good reason. I thought he had a very good preseason. He is someone who last year showed really well in the preseason, made that big play in the Seattle game, but then 
you know, fumbled away some chances later in the year. Had had a drop, a bad drop against Detroit in Week 17. Never really built on the momentum that he had created, but is a player with serious talent. Worked out with George Kittle in the offseason. Now, that's not evidence that he's going to become George Kittle. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone is under any sort of delusions of grandeur about that. So this presents an opportunity. Maybe Sternberger was going to eat into some of those snaps that Tanyan would have gotten. Now those snaps are simply going to Big Bob. And Jimmy Graham, how many snaps was he going to get? Was Tanyan going to take some of his snaps? And by extension, is he going to take more of them now because he could become a bigger focal point in the offense? We don't know the answers to those questions yet, but given what we think we know about the tight end position and how often Matt LaFleur is going to play with two tight ends. Now, that's going to be less than we thought originally, or at least than I thought, but they want to play with a move tight end and they are going to use a blocking tight end a fair amount. So how they deploy the tight ends is going to have to change now because they don't have four. How you how you use them is going to be based on how much depth you have because you have to worry about miles, you have to worry about hits, you have to worry about injuries. And so now with the Packers at receiver, does that allow them to do some different kinds of things? Could Alan Lazard, someone who last year I suggested could be converted to a sort of move tight end because he doesn't have great speed, but he does have the height, He's got the size, maybe maybe put on 15 pounds, and you become a move tight end. Now, I don't think that, that that's what Green Bay is thinking here. I think they wanted a pass catcher, and they wanted that flexibility to have that big body in the game if they want it because they have these plays set up. I mean, they could use that tight end leak play that Jay Sternberger scored on in the preseason game. The Rams run it with a receiver. And they get Cooper Cup open on that same route, leaking down the field and, and running usually pretty open. They could do that with Alan Lazard in the red zone. And they could create some of those play-action plays in the slot with Lazard. Now, I don't think he's going to suddenly leapfrog Jake Kumaro or Darius Shepard, but they do different kinds of things. And his skill set lends itself to a lot of the kinds of things with his big body in the middle of the field that a tight end would normally do. All right, before we get to Lorne, I want to talk about DraftKings. It's time to celebrate because football is finally back and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener. Stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using promo code Locked On will receive a free shot at the million-dollar top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500 when they use the promo code Locked On on the DraftKings app. And new users, don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter my code Locked On to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. That's code Locked On only at DraftKings. Make it rain. 
All right, he is a reporter and anchor at WCLO 1230. He's also a pro football focus analyst, works at the Bears Wire. He also is the host of Locked on Bears. You know him as Lauren Cox. You can follow him on Twitter at CoxSports1, one of my favorite, absolute favorite Twitter handles on NFL Twitter. So, Lauren, let's start here. Uh, The Packers and the Bears faced off in week one last year. And it seems like the teams are in very different states 12 months later than they were last year. So given where they were a year ago at this time, and now the expectation level has changed in your mind, how has that changed what the Bears should be expecting this year? And and do you think that this team is just as capable as last year's team, at least the team we ended up seeing of being a 12-4 and four team in an NFC contender? I think the team has all the capabilities in the sense that enough of the same talent is around and enough of the pieces remain in place that the the team should be able to at least recreate some of what they were able to do last year. And certainly the expectations come in a lot differently. Last year, it was Matt Nagy's first season sort of getting to know Mitchell Trubisky. And really before the weekend, before the regular season, you didn't have Khalil Mack on the defense. So there wasn't as high expectations there either. And it was sort of supposed to be, you know, first steps, but nothing crazy. Let's increase the win total from last year. Let's you know, sort of show some of that potential so that, in theory, at that point, 2019 would be more the target window to start really competing for a championship. They seem to accelerate that a bit last year. The, the trade on uh, the September 1st Labor Day weekend last week last year really sort of got that going in that direction. So I, I do think, you know, they come in with much higher expectations that this team needs to be as good as they were last year. This team needs to compete for potentially a championship, but at the very least be right back in the division race, have a trip to the playoffs, and and sort of see what happens from there in the postseason. But a a lot of eyes trying to see what the Chicago Bears are going to do and whether or not they can sort of prove that last season is the new normal and not just a a fight, a a bright, fast start from Matt Nagy. Yeah, and and when you look at their offseason— you know, you, you think, okay, they're going to get a full off season to integrate Khalil Mack. Although, you know, at, at certain point, you know, eight weeks into the season, you feel like they've probably done that. But this is Roquan Smith in year two. Eddie Jackson is a superstar player. Then there are some subtractions. You lose Bryce Callahan. Uh, Vic Fangio is, to my mind, if not the best defensive coordinator in the game, one of the two or three best. Uh, Adrian Amos out the door. It seems like defensively, statistically speaking, we should expect some regression, but then offensively, they could take a step forward. I know they're really excited about David Montgomery. Gauge for me where you think this offseason has left them in terms of the team that they were last year and what they can be this year. I'm with you on this is the idea that the defense not probably not going to be as you know, even historically dominant in some ways as it was last year, particularly in terms of turnovers, the way Kyle Fuller had like seven and Eddie Jackson had another five or six. And, you know, some of these players were really uh, astronomical rates of changing possession. So I I think you'll see them come down a little bit in that regard. There are other areas of the defense that can be better. 
and not that they are guaranteed to be better, but just that there was room for improvement in terms of the pass rush. You know, you could see a guy like Roquan Smith maybe being a little bit more comfortable in year two and adding a little bit more of a dynamic type of player at the inside linebacker position, but obviously downgrades at safety and at the slot cornerback position with, with Buster Screen and HaHa Clinton Dix there. So I'm expecting still a very, very good defense, still probably a top five defense, but maybe just not as extreme as last year, whereas offensively, keep a lot of the same pieces, add a little bit more talent at running back with David Montgomery and Mike Davis from the Seattle Seahawks. You kind of keep the offensive line together. You add a guy like Cordell Patterson who can be a little bit everything, wide receiver, running back, return specialist, etc. They draft Riley Ridley in the fourth round from Georgia. And you have a feeling of like maybe the Bears have more they can do offensively in terms of not being too dependent on Tariq Cohen being a dynamic athlete, you know, in the passing game or needing Trey Burton to be out there to be that threat over the middle or don't need Allen Robinson to always be a 100-yard guy on the outside. So in theory, Mitchell Trubisky should be a little bit more comfortable and, and maybe take care of the ball a little bit better and the weapons around him should be able to do more with the ball as they get it from their quarterback. I am interested, though, in in your perspective on you know, what you expect from this offense because Mitch Trubisky in year two, the the reports out of camp, not the best um, from Mitch, but they love David Montgomery. Uh, the, the tight end position should be a little bit better. The offensive line is is solid. Um, they, they like Riley Ridley. I mean, it seems like they've got a, a deep receiver pool. I don't I mean, Javon Weems would be probably playing wide receiver three, wide receiver four on most teams, and I don't know where he's going to get snaps in Chicago. Where is this offense right now? Well, to start, we don't know whether Trey Burton, the tight end, is going to be active for the game. He's limited at the as far as at the end of Monday's practice was the last we had heard from him being limited. Didn't participate on Sunday either with a what was off-season sports hernia surgery. It's still listed as a groin injury. So it's very unclear if he's going to be good to go for the Thursday night game. But other than that, you know, you should see a pretty full arsenal of Chicago Bears weapons. Like Aaron Rodgers, Mitchell Trubisky didn't throw a pass attempt in the preseason. He played three snaps in the first preseason game, handed it off all three times. So we haven't seen him throw necessarily either. And it's still largely going to be the same things we saw last year. I think some new wrinkles there and some feeling like you can roll a little bit deeper and, and not just have to keep Allen Robinson on, on the field for every play and get Anthony Miller more involved in different ways and obviously do more things with your running backs out of the backfield. But there is some concern as far as how much depth they're going to have to work with at the tight end position. So you know, I would expect as the Bears sort of slow things down here with Mitchell Trubisky, I, I would expect things to not go too over the top in terms of fancy plays or trickeration or anything like that. I think they're going to try and stick to some of their basic stuff, at least at first, to sort of get him comfortable, get him in a rhythm. Because, yeah, the reports out of training camp were, you know, some turnovers and some forced balls, but all, all along Matt Nagy tried to emphasize that that was part of the plan. You know, it's what they did with Patrick Mahomes last preseason where, you know, training camp and preseason, throw your passes, test your arm, test what kind of windows you can hit, and how tight coverage is too tight for you to be able to throw that in a regular season game. And then sort of once training camp was done and the preseason were on, the Bears really scaled everything back and sort of focused just on sort of the bread and butter plays of their offense to try and be able to work through them more quickly and really sort of master their go-to options before they sort of build it back out from there. So I would expect them to still be in the building it back out process, and that'll mean some new wrinkles here and there, but for the most part, trying to stick to some of the basic stuff and letting the playmakers really 
take the onus. You know, Mitch Trubisky doesn't have to complete, you know, 30 of 35 or 35 of 40 and, you know, carry this Bears team to 350 yards and however many touchdowns to win this game. The idea should be to, again, always try and make it as easy on the quarterback, run the ball well, and hope that the defense can, you know, they don't have to generate three turnovers off Aaron Rodgers, but if they can just hold drives to field goals instead of touchdowns and keep giving the Bears offense opportunities to stay in the game and, and keep fighting back in the game, I think that's sort of where the Bears are going to feel most comfortable. And the, and the more pressure in terms of game situation that ends up on Mitchell Trubisky, I, I think the less comfortable you're going to see this Bears offense go. All right, we're going to get back to Lauren in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about where you're putting your money in week one. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I keep telling you to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and when you win, they pay. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always take the other side. And if you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Speaking of free money, use the promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on at mybookie.ag today. You play, you win. You get paid. All right, back to Lorne. But when you look at week one last year, Mike Patton said, we're going to play nickel, we're going to play dime, we're going to sit in coverage, and we're going to dare Mitch Trubisky to beat us, number one. And number two, if Matt Nagy wants to run the ball, God bless him. And Matt Nagy did run the ball a little bit. They ran the ball with great effectiveness, but... They got a little bit impatient, and if there was one criticism I'd had of of Matt Nagy last year, it was that he did not lean enough on his backs um, with with the the inconsistent play of Mitch Trubisky. I think what you're going to see this year is a very similar game plan in terms of nickel, big nickel with three safeties, uh, dime, and now the difference this year is when the Packers rush four or the Packers rush five, it's not just the interior guys who can get home. They have guys on the edge who can who can threaten the quarterback, who can push the pocket. They can play Zedarius Smith or Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary at the three technique. They can bl- blitz them inside. I don't think you're going to see a ton of blitzes, but I think you're going to see them play coverage. The difference this year is they can actually get home with four, whereas last year they really couldn't. And so Trubisky, you know, that, that first drive... He was able to sit back there and make throws. Second drive, able to sit back there and make throws. Green Bay wasn't able to get home. In the second half, they were able to create some more pressure. I mean, they were, the game should have been over uh, on the Clay Matthews pressure if he just l- lets up a little bit. He creates, you know, the, the the penalty that turns into the interception that would have sealed the game had he not hit Trubisky late. So the Packers are more equipped to play that kind of game and say, look, if you want to hand the ball to David Montgomery 25 times, be our guest. That is absolutely the way that I think that they will approach this game. And I think, frankly, it's the right way to approach this game. And and, and that leads me to 
this this question that I wanted to ask before. So this was uh, well set up by you. Uh, the the Bears spent their offseason basically. Their big moves this offseason were solidifying the running back position. They trade up to get David Montgomery. They ship out Jordan Howard, who was a poor scheme fit for their offense. They bring in Mike Davis, and it sounds like they want to commit themselves to running the ball. If Mike Penton does, say, play very small in the back end, do you have faith that someone like Matt Nagy is going to is gonna stay committed to that running game? And is that the plan this year is to take a little bit more off Mitch's plate and commit to running the ball, play good defense, sort of a throwback type team, and then create some shot plays down the field and try and win that way? They haven't overly emphasized the running game, even when they talk about these running backs. A lot of it has been about... The first descriptions are versatility and what he can do in the passing game, mm-hmm. and you know what a guy like David Montgomery, you know where he wins, and sort of maybe taking some shots at Jordan Howard behind the scenes. There, <laughs> I, I do think. Well, see, I struggle with this because I, I agreed with you that last season I really thought they should have gone to Jordan Howard more, and I, and I always sort of felt like this idea of scheme fit was a little bit of a, an excuse and a scapegoat yep. thing because I agree. good coaches take good coaches take the talent that they have and put them in the best position to be successful. And, and I just felt like they repeatedly did not do that with Jordan Howard, and they traded him to a Philadelphia Eagles team. Comes from the same Andy Reid coaching tree, but I, I have a feeling Doug Peterson will be able to get more out of Howard than Matt Nagy was, which has kind of bothered me all offseason. So I, I would I think, in theory, we're going to see... I'd, I'd like to think there's going to be more commitment to the running game. I, I don't know that they want to really go old school in that regard and, and run first, but the Bears have been kind of coy about what they are envisioning for this team. So I, I, I think we're not going to see any workhorse running back, certainly not in this first game. I think you're going to see a lot of Mike Davis and a lot of David Montgomery and, and some Tariq Cohen handoffs and probably some Cordero Patterson handoffs, and maybe it equates to 20 to 25 carries across the board, but no one's going to have more than 10. So I, I don't know that that's so much a commitment to the running game and the you know mentality of the offense as it is sort of trying to just spread teams out a little bit and attack them in different ways and see what the defense might give them and what they can take I, you know it, it's going to depend on how much the the packers do give them in terms of smaller personnel on the field and spacing on the field so I, I don't I don't have a good answer for you on that because it, I don't just don't think we know yet exactly how this composition is going to be. But I don't get the impression that they want to go overly run heavy. I think that they're expecting Mitchell Trubisky to just be able to do more than last year. They try and do a lot of things the same around him, but just if he can hit more of those throws that he missed and be more accurate downfield and open things up a little bit more that way, then that should in turn make the running game more effective and should help the defense not have to carry so much of the load. And in theory help this team continue to take steps forward. Yeah, I, we'll see, I guess, is what I'll say about that. Um, I, <laughs> That's where I am, too. <laughs> I can't I can't have you on and not discuss the major touchstone of the offseason between Packers and Bears fans, and that is the exchange of safeties. Uh, Adrian Amos comes to Green Bay, and HaHa Clinton-Dix goes to Chicago. So my position on this uh, has has been clear all off season and and I've I've you know I've, I've heard from Bears fans about this I don't know if you know that uh, but my my position has been look Adrian Amos may not have been an integral part of the Bears defense but he comes to Green Bay and solidifies a position of need in a major major way and that Haha Clinton Dix goes to Chicago 
as a, in my opinion, an obvious downgrade. He may make a couple more interceptions, but he's going to give up way more plays. And although I think those mistakes that he makes will be less magnified than they were in Green Bay, it is still clearly a downgrade in consistency and reliability in that Chicago defense, which I think, by the way, will still be really, 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 really good. Am I? Where, where are well, you on all of this? Well, of course, there's no room for that kind of nuance on Twitter, so I understand no. why you're mentioning that. That was way more than 200 fight. and whatever 80 characters. <laughs> no, so I'm with you in that. I I agree that Adrian Amos is a better football player, and that there is. Overall, I think a downgrade there, but it is hard to compare because they're so different yep. in their style of safeties that they're they're almost as as different as you can get in terms of you know deep safety who roams around the field and goes takes chances and makes plays on the ball versus a guy like Amos who's more of a box guy who can play some of the slot covers really well underneath and just doesn't make mistakes. I mean that's what makes Adrian Amos so good is that he just doesn't make mistakes. And maybe mm-hmm. the, the team he was playing around helped with that, but uh, you still saw guys surrounding him making mistakes and him really not doing that. So I, I think he'll be a great upgrade for Green Bay in that regard. And, and I don't I don't have a good sense of how HaHa Clinton Dix is still supposed to work in Chicago. That's the one big question this offseason that hasn't really been answered through the preseason. Is I don't know how you have HaHa Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson both be in the best positions for them to be successful because they both do a lot of the same things really well. And you can't just play two deep safeties all the time. I mean, this is under Vic Fangio, very much a single high safety team. They'd, they'd rotate them in different ways and roll them and try and disguise their coverages, but it's a cover three, cover one defense through and through. And I'm not expecting Chuck Pagano to change that drastically. Maybe maybe more two deep looks and, and other types of zones in that regard, but I, I don't trust Clinton Dix coming down in the box a ton to, to make plays in, in the running game. I don't know how great he is as a slot cornerback either, but I don't want to take Eddie Jackson away from the deep middle of the field where he's most effective. And he did play cornerback at Alabama, so I, I feel more comfortable with him being able to cover guys one-on-one. We've seen him do that you know, over the last couple of years in Chicago. But it just it doesn't feel like as ideal of a, of a scheme fit together with Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson. And, and that's what concerns me you know, even more so than just the concerns about Clinton Dix and some of his inconsistencies. I, I do think he should be fine. I don't think he's going to make this defense considerably worse. I, I do think it's a step down, but I think it's a, a step that they can afford and that they can cover in some ways. But I think that's the big challenge for Chuck Pagano, that we haven't really gotten a straight answer on how exactly that dynamic's going to work and, and how well his ideas are going to play out. All right, did you hear that, Packers and Bears fans? Lauren and I, we adjudicated it. It's been decided. We don't need to we don't need to argue about it anymore. Okay. This is it. I don't We're know done. why people are so quick to like all of a sudden Adrian Amos leaves and it's like, oh well, he sucks. <laughs> he was a good player for the Bears for like three or four years. I mean, give the guy some credit. I, n- I never got that. Listen, fan is short for fanatic, so that's just that's just the reality of where we are. So, you know, we're we're still there's still some time here. We we don't quite know who who is all going to play and who isn't going to play, and we may not know until game time with some of these guys. But just give me your feel for for what's going to happen here. Um, you know, you make your prediction. Boy, it's tough week one, especially when there's so yep. many unknowns with these two teams, and I think each side has all the reason in the world to feel optimistic and feel like they're going to win this game. So 
I I have to lean Bears coming off a 12 and 4 season and and Green Bay I think having more unknowns and more question marks it, I, I have less confidence you know believing in those unknowns and those question marks even though they could very well end up being an advantage because they're unknowns and question marks to the Bears as well but I do think the Bears are going to throw some different things at Green Bay so I, I'm expecting a little bit more of a lower scoring game as teams try to figure them figure each other out and you know gear up for the regular season so you know I would go something like Bears 20, Packers 17, or Bears 21, Packers 20. I think it's really less than a touchdown difference, and it probably comes down to the end. Maybe there's a miraculous comeback drive by somebody somewhere, but I I do think the Bears are just a little bit more solid, a little bit more stable, and a little bit more consistent. You know, we know know much more of what they are, and I, I would lean on that more than more of an unknown in Green Bay for me. Well, the good news is if the Bears need to make a last-second field goal, they're they're totally wrapped up there. Not a problem. They got it. <laughs> Carly Lloyd is available. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but no, it, it's going to be a really fun game to watch, and I, I think it's clear that these two teams are, are neck and neck for week one and, and probably going to be neck and neck for the season. Absolutely. it's it's They are the co-favorites, I think, in the NFC. Vegas agrees that they're they're pretty close in terms of the quality of the team. Bears are three-point favorites at home. That's what you know. Two even teams are, so you know it's it's going to be fun, and and it is it is not going to decide the season. So you know whoever loses is not going to feel like you know we uh, you know our season's over. There's a, there's a lot of football to be played, and I think that that late season matchup that one could be a lot more in terms of what's on the line for the division, what's on the line in the NFC playoff picture. This is going to be a fun story to follow all season, no question. And I think Bears and Packers fans can all agree that uh, the Minnesota Vikings are clearly in third here. <laughs> and yeah, and the Lions do not, do not even bear mentioning. Uh, don't tell that to Sports Illustrated, who had the Bears fourth, for Andy Benoit, and uh, had the Lions third in the division at nine and seven. So that that's fun. The the world is a weird place. We we can't we can't account for all of it. So uh, yeah. Lauren, this is great. Can't wait for Thursday, and uh, we'll uh, we'll check back with you later in the season. Appreciate it, Peter. Pleasure as always. All right, I want to thank Lauren for joining the show. Packers Bears, we're now talking about hours, not days, until kickoff, which is a magical, wonderful thing. You know, we talked about predictions with Lauren, and, uh, you know, I, I think, again, I think the Bears win, but I think it's going to be close, and I will not be surprised if the Packers win. Uh, I think the unscouted looks early could give the, the Bears defense some problems. I think the Bears are going to be able to move the ball a little bit, but I, I think the Packers defense is going to play better than than really a lot of people think this season. So Mike Patton had a good plan last year in week one. I think he's going to have a good plan again this year. We'll see what this offense looked like for Chicago with David Montgomery. Does Mitch Trubisky take that leap? And then offensively for the Packers, what does that look like? What does this Matt LaFleur system look like? How much unscouted stuff are they going to throw out there? Stuff that we haven't seen Matt LaFleur run. Are there going to be trick plays? Is there a wrinkle that we don't know about that they think they can gouge the Bears with? And what does that defense look like? Do they go at Buster Screen in the slot? Do they go at HaHa Clinton Dix deep? Do they try and use their institutional knowledge about what HaHa is good and isn't good at to go after him? I don't know. We'll see. I like the Packers in this game, but I I think the Bears have to be considered the favorites. If I were going to bet, I would bet on the Bears. It's only a field goal, but I think the Packers can win this game, 
And I don't know if they should win this game, but if they do, it sets them up to be an 11 12 win team truly. I mean if they steal this game on the road, they should win the the home game as well. This this could be absolutely telling about where they're headed this season. If if they look bad, you know, it it could be a slow start and a 7 and 9 8 and 8 type season. And if they look good, it could be a 9 10 11 even a 12 win season. We're going to learn a lot um, unless we don't because, because week 1 can be like that where you look back in, you know, 6 8 weeks and you go, "Wait, what the heck happened there?" So We'll see. This is a more important game for Chicago to win than Green Bay to win because you have to defend your home field in these divisional matchups. All that said, I think you should feel good as a Packer fan that the Packers are going to show up, they're going to play well, and they're going to give the Bears everything they have. We'll be on after the the game. As soon as the game's over, we will get recording the show and get it up ASAP so you can have something to react to right away. Uh, if you are a subscriber to the newsletter, no newsletter this week because of the game on Thursday. It's going to be a regular Thursday thing, but with week one, uh, I wanted to I wanted to get things moving so we had more out there to use on those letters. So you didn't miss it. Uh, if you don't get it tomorrow, it's because we're, we're waiting until week two to get this restarted. But thanks for everyone who signed up. If you haven't signed up, go do that. If you haven't followed me on Twitter, go do that, Peter underscore Bukowski. If you haven't followed the podcast on Twitter, do that, Locked on Packers. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to say Locked on Packers. <laughs>